I'm Jason Hopkins, founder and president of The Connection Project. Welcome to Everyday Brave, a podcast series for emergency responders by emergency responders. We explore real-world issues that each of us face. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and instill hope that we are all in this together. Thank you for joining us on this journey to become more connected to ourselves and others. Let's get started. Today on this episode of Everyday Brave podcast, I'm joined by Detective Dan Bright. Detective Bright currently serves as a wellness coordinator for Douglas County Sheriff's Office. After sustaining a life-changing line-of-duty accident in 2016, his recovery challenges highlighted the need to better support himself and ultimately the entire responder community. His own healing journey has helped to frame his current role as a wellness coordinator, helping others to understand that it is okay to not be okay, and it's also okay to ask for help. He has taken a broad approach to wellness, considering the whole person with an understanding that it's time to take action to better meet responder needs. Talking about it simply isn't enough. Detective Bright, thank you for being here. I must say in preparation for our time today, I'm inspired by your resiliency and willingness to jump in and support this valuable work. Like my own recovery journey, I'm certain things didn't start from the place you are today. Help us understand how this started. Yeah, well, uh, this is uh, my 19th year in law enforcement. Okay. And... um it's, uh, you know, especially in the first responder community, I was very much involved in that culture throughout this uh, 19 years and um, just really uh, I had invested in the mentality of, you know, you take care of your own problems. You know, sure. We solve or we try to solve um, other people's problems so we feel like we can solve our own. So for the longest time, I uh, I had that mentality thinking that I can – take care of all my own issues, even though all the critical incidents I've responded to, um, I really tried to, to keep those emotions in and deal with them on my own. And then uh, when September 2nd of 2016 happened, uh, where I was shot in the line of duty, um, I died twice at the hospital, but thankfully uh, Parker Hospital did a really good job of, of saving my life. Um, sure. But it wasn't until after that that I really began to understand the importance of speaking up about mental health. Right. Because uh, that was my breaking point. That was a point when I realized um, I couldn't handle this on my own anymore. My mm-hmm. pot was overboiling, and I needed help. Um, I had depression. I had suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was traveling down that road of um, of just being bitter and anger towards anyone and, and right. everything. And I um, thankfully had a really strong support system with my family and my friends and my coworkers, and uh, they pushed me to get the help that I needed. And now after traveling down that road and seeing what it was like not only to experience that, um, which I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, but how much better you can be once you do speak up and ask for help, how much better life can be, um, it's just uh, it's a night and day difference. So really it took a, a pretty tragic event for, for you to kind of get on this different path. Um so I can imagine anybody who's been through an experience like you have would obviously go through those phases of depression and perhaps suicidal ideations and just, you know, really what life looks like next would have to be scary. Do you think that culture of being in law enforcement um, really added to that or made that worse? Absolutely. Um, okay. So um, really the work that you've started doing is is teed up because of what happened to you. Yeah. So after uh, my incident – begin realizing the benefits of of getting the help I need, you know, and just make sure um, you're healthy. Um, you know, it's called the 
check up from the neck up. You know, you just right. every now and then, just like you get a oil change in your car or, or or whatnot, you from time to time go in and just see a psychologist and, and make sure everything's okay. Um, because the amount of things that we deal with in this profession, it's not normal for a human being to experience sure. that much um, trauma and sadness loss and violence it's uh and it takes a toll on a person. and with no outlet to express it exactly so you know I, I talk a lot in this work that we've been doing especially in preparation for the everyday brave series a lot of the initiatives for the responder community um it's termed as wellness um that's how it, it seems like uh the the moniker that's being used for kind of this brain whole health integration um is that the right word for um, these initiatives that we're doing? Uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an accurate, an accurate word to use. You know, with Douglas County, we don't just focus on mental health wellness. Um, there's four pillars that we really focus on, and that's the physical, mental, social, and spiritual wellness. Okay. So we kind of attack it from a lot of different angles to really help build up that resiliency in the employees and their families. Right. Um, but wellness is a uh, it's a broad term, sure. And um, I think as long as we're not focusing just on mental health, but we're focusing on all the other aspects that involve wellness, I think it can really play a big benefit to first responders. Yeah, absolutely. So, in the work that you're doing, which is so important and necessary, do you see that that we're becoming more open to talking about what we're struggling with mentally? Yes, it's a it's a slow change. Sure, um, it doesn't go as fast as as I wish it it would, but it uh, it definitely is a slow process. But it's starting to gain traction, especially when you look at um, some of the state and federal legislation that's starting to change to benefit first responders and mental health. And you start to look at um, some of the other initiatives other agencies are taking to really finally uh, deal with that issue that. Uh, we have historically have just uh, basically ignored mm-hmm. for the longest time. So I'm glad we're finally at this point where we're starting to talk about it and starting to take action. It's just a slow process. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we've uh, lived in this world of disconnect forever that we all have a brain. So naturally, everyone has mental health, but mm-hmm. we don't have language to support we all have mental health. Um, so it's interesting. We've we've had this, this scenario of, of disconnectedness forever, and we're trying to to integrate that back in the work that we're doing and the work that you're doing, um, which I think is valuable and, and slow. Um, so talking about that culture of emergency responders, what are the things that you see responders are really struggling with? If, if I'm a responder and I'm listening to this, what are the things that, that you recognize are kind of areas that could, could be improved or be helped through more wellness focused work? Yeah. So, uh, you know, with first responders, because we deal with so many critical incidents, everybody, is a little different, right? So sure. one person may be able to experience 10, 15 critical incidents and they'd be fine while another person may experience one and they all of a sudden have trauma from dealing with that critical incident. Throughout a first responder's career, they experience on average about 188 critical incidents. Wow. So that is um, every one of those is an opportunity for PTSD, depression, unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, to start to work into their lives. And if, you know, you don't have things in place to help catch that, uh, then they just travel down that, that road. Um, 
But you, you internalize it. It lives inside you. Exactly. And, um, and, it, and it beats them up uh, for the longest time. And, sure. You know, it, 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 there are so many other negative effects it has, you know, the lack of sleep, the poor relationship issues, you know, um, alcoholism, you know, substance abuse. They start to turn towards things that um, they think that may help them when, in fact, it's just making it worse. Um, so I think the the big focus is just making not only mental health um, easily accessible, mm-hmm. but it's extremely important to make it confidential, right? Not, sure. Not everyone likes to talk about their emotions in front of in front of the world. Of course. No, I do it solely for the purpose of showing people that it is okay to talk about it sure. and to lead by example. And like, this is what recovery looks like. This is what it looks like to come from having depression and suicidal thoughts to now being uh, happy in life and having a purpose in life. Like there's, you can make that change. Um, and so just being able to provide those mental health services to first responders that is confidential and easy to access um, is a huge step towards the right direction. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. So I I know that a lot of the other um, agencies that I've talked with, a lot of the the mental health work that we hear about and that's being done, it comes through physical channels, whether it's after an injury through PT or workers' comp or something like that. Are you seeing that um, kind of being the, the access point or doorway, or are people just showing up and saying, hey, I'm struggling and need some support, or both? Uh, it's a little bit of both. You know, um, I think with my position is unique because it's a full-time position. Um, and so I'm able to really focus on the employees, uh, mental health, physical health, social right. and spiritual health. And so that gives me, uh, time to, to really focus on the individual and to reach out to people. But also, uh, now it's becoming more common when people walk by my office, you know, they'll just come in and say, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. Um, and then they come in and we talk, provide them the resources they need. So we're starting to change a little bit because when I first started this position, uh, nobody came out of my office, right? <laughs> it's uh, no, I'm not going to go in there and talk to him. I don't, right. you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about my feelings. But now we're slowly starting to get people that are feeling more comfortable with the process of getting access to help, and that is confidential. But also understanding that when they talk to me, it's also confidential. You know, sure. I don't speak about it to to anyone else. So that's also another important um, factor is, is a trust factor. So, um, well, probably people understanding that you've walked a similar road. I mean, you've been right. a guiding light. Um, not only are you trying to help other people, you had to help yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming you probably were not this guy or maybe were not <laughs> this guy before you had your, your accident. Not at all. I was, um, your very typical, um, male in today's society where I kept my emotions in. Mm-hmm. Um, I dealt with it on my own. Um, I, I used to run. Uh, to help deal with my stress, and okay. I kept uh, that kept my pot at a nice low simmer. You know, it didn't quite overboil, but it worked for the longest time. Um, but I didn't know that there's really only two ways to deal with trauma, and that's to talk about it or to write about it. Sure. And I never did either. So all those critical incidents throughout my years just kind of built up slowly, and then um, when my injury happened, that's when the the pot just overflowed, and um, and I. I was maxed out. So, yeah, it, um, I, I think my journey may help others to um, reach out for help, and that's exactly what I want is for for me to be that example of this is what it looks like 
to well, I think you're certainly that. doing that. You're, you're an inspiration with the work you're doing. So let, let's talk about wellness coordinator. What, what is a wellness coordinator? I know you've got these four pillars you're working with. People can stop by your office. Like, help me understand a day in the life of, of, of yours. Yeah, so we uh, at Douglas County Sheriff's Office, we combined uh, peer support, the chaplaincy, and the wellness program all into okay. one. So we, I work very closely with uh, our chaplains that we have, and we just kind of develop um, programs that really focus on resiliency. So, for example, we um, now provide the Dave Ramsey financial course to our employees and their families. That's great. Right, to help them um, not only take control of their budget, but then finances is a huge stressor, right, right. In, in most people's lives. So being able to try to take control of that, you know, helps reduce their stressors not only at home but then at work because mm-hmm. now they're not working so much overtime and, and off-duty. Um, we also provide uh, marriage retreats for families and first responders so they can learn how to better enhance their personal relationships because, uh, like, for, for me, for example, my family was probably one of the biggest factors uh, in me getting the help that I needed. Sure. Having that strong support system is extremely huge. So we want to help really build up the support system for our first responders. I mean, there's still a lot of other various things, you know, we provide. We uh, we really streamlined uh, psychological services for our people. So um, now they can just call the psychologist directly and make the appointment, um, and, and everything is taken care of. Uh, okay. We've, we know we brought in a chiropractor. We brought in a massage therapist. Um, so we do a lot of different things to really attack the overall wellness of, of our employees. And it's starting to get some traction. Um, it, in first responder culture, it takes a little bit for uh, the first responders to start to trust a system or a process. Sure, sure. It's just the nature of the business we're in. Um, it takes a while to build their trust, but not early adopters. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they kind of like to watch from the peripheral and, and kind of see how it goes. And then right. if they start to see success and they jump in. So it is starting to gain some traction, uh, which is awesome that it's now being utilized uh, department wide. Yeah, that that's fantastic work. And I love that you guys are really taking on and it aligns well with the work we're doing at the connection project of really looking at this, this whole person initiative, you know, it's, it's your family, it's your money. It's, it's all of the things that go into making us a healthy individual. And, and like you said, your family was a huge support system for you and kind of finding your way back, um, you know, and the, and the people that don't have that kind of support system, I would imagine they may struggle more or struggle longer unless they're just really inc- inclined or in too much pain to, to really do something different. Um, so the, the thing I'm curious about, so you've done all of this work in your own recovery journey and now you're helping other people do it. How... Is that for you um, in your own recovery, taking on and hearing other people's stories and the work you do? Is is that taxing or stressful for you in keeping yourself sane and whole? No, not at all. It actually uh, actually motivates me okay. um, to work harder towards what we're trying to accomplish. Because um, to be honest, I didn't really realize how many people were suffering. Right. Because, again, we we have a tendency to just ignore it and just – to move on, you know, right. um, but now that I'm in this position and I hear all the struggles various people are having, it kind of opens your eyes to this is a much bigger problem than I had originally thought. Right. So that is motivating me to try to, to find different initiatives or different ways of improving the overall wellness of our employees and their families. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. And really, in in talking to you here, I mean, what I'm what I'm landing on is um, obviously everyone struggles with something, but the things you're talking about, the tenets of support that you're offering, they apply to anybody. I mean, right. you know, obviously you're doing the work with emergency responders, but frankly, ha- having overall health and wellness in in everyone's life is an important uh, kind of tenant to work towards. So. Um, I think it's great that you guys have have started integrating this in in a broader perspective. Would you say that that there is are there training initiatives happening for the younger guys that are coming into academy now to, you know, better deal with these things starting out um, than some of the older guys that have been in the system longer? Are, are there more preventative things happening? Absolutely. So we've also created a uh, a family academy um, for all the cadets that are in the academy, okay. and that it. And that family academy again really focuses on the resiliency. You know, it it brings in the families and the cadets, and it explains to them like this is what the job is going to entail. It's gonna you're probably going to be on graveyards for uh, a while. Um, you're going to work a lot of overtime. You're not going to be home for the holidays or for the special occasions. And it kind of really helps also educate uh, the spouse or the partner about what this job and it tells them what they can expect. Okay. Because a lot of times they're left in the dark. Um, you know, like I, I am fortunate in that my wife is also a first responder. So okay. she understands the job. But for example, if she was not a first responder, I would not come home and tell her about my day. Right. Because one of the biggest reasons why first responders do that is because they don't want to traumatize their spouse sure. with what they saw. When in fact, that's the complete opposite. Um, like it helps me to tell my wife about what happened because now I'm talking about it sure. and I'm reaching out to her for help. And then she is in turn, you know, we're conversing about, about the trauma. So it's not internalized anymore. Uh, right. Exactly. And so that, uh, so we're really trying to teach at the cadet level um, all about this resiliency and about how they can take um, preventative measures, self-care measures as they go through their career. So hopefully, you know, when they get, so their 19th year in law enforcement, mm-hmm. they're very much healthy, both mentally, physically, and spiritually, you know. So that's – so we're attacking it from not only their very beginning level, but we're also attacking it from the very end level. So we call it um, from healthy hire to healthy retire. Okay. So we kind of approach both So you've looked ends. at all ends of the spectrum. Exactly. So do you find in the work that you're doing, is it is it older guys that are reaching out to you or is it younger guys or kind of a mix of both? You know, are, are the younger guys more interested in talking about things because they had different training or not really? I think uh, the older guys, it's a little bit more hesitant. Wait and see. Uh, yeah, wait and see because um, they're they're still very much a part of that, that old culture and that's how they were trained and all their experiences in that old culture. The newer guys, it seems like, have been a little bit more acceptable to reaching out. Okay. Um, so, which is awesome because um, – and that just builds us more momentum in changing the culture, right? Sure. Um, and then, so we just really pay attention to the to the older veterans that have been in the profession for a while, not only because they've seen a lot, but also because they still have that that stoic mentality about them. So we really do put a lot of focus into them and keep an eye on them and and let them know what's available for resources. Which is great. Um, I, I know you mentioned that your work is confidential, obviously. Um, what what about the guy that's struggling that does have some real serious issues that need to be dealt with? Like, do you find people are, are hesitant to reach out and say, you know, maybe I have a problem with alcohol or substances or something like that? 
How are those things handled through programs like this? Yeah, so they are still very hesitant to reach out sure, um, because they're afraid that they would lose their job. Of course. Um, but again, it's up to, you know, the administration, command staff, myself, to really change that culture and to let them know that, you know, it, it's okay if you have an alcohol problem. So let's get you the help. So what we do is we take them offline, um, provide them the help they need, whether that's, you know, intensive outpatient care or they go to rehab, um, and then they come back and they're 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see that change from a person that is probably at the lowest of their low and really struggling with substance abuse, to go from that to coming back from um, the intensive outpatient care and the, and the rehab and to see just how much better they are physically and mentally, it's a, it's a really awesome transformation to see. Well, it has to be rewarding and, to validate the work you're doing. Right, exactly. And, you know, and, and to just throw away all that person's experience and knowledge um, because if they have an alcohol issue that is more likely related to the, to the profession because that was their coping mechanism. And we don't teach coping mechanisms. We, we haven't done it in the past. So it's very common for them to turn to a bottle to, to help cope. And the job caused the issue. So now let the job help you recover from that issue. Sure. And it's a, it's a really awesome transformation. I can imagine. And, and validating for the work you're doing, obviously. Um, do you think there are great support resources available to help? I mean, obviously, you've got this initiative that's kind of the umbrella. Are there, are there good places to get people plugged in? Absolutely. Uh, I think Colorado has a lot of very good um, resources for anyone struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we need to do a better job of of not only talking about it, but letting people know that it's okay to not be okay. Right. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I and, and you're absolutely right. It is okay to not be okay. I mean, you know, uh, like you, I mean, obviously from a different perspective, the work that I do today is because my own journey recovery. If, if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. Um, and it's amazing how life can take us on a different path and, mm-hmm. and what comes next. I mean, it sounds like you're a different guy today because of this. Oh, yeah. Um, which is admirable. I, I really admire the work you're doing, and I appreciate you doing that, um, you know, and, and serving the people that you serve. That That is inspirational. So you're one guy doing this work in Douglas County, and I know you have other people that, that help support this work. What does the evolution of this program look like to you? Um, it hopes that it grows to other agencies. Right. They start incorporating – uh, similar programs. There are, you know, like Aurora PD and South Metro Fire and, right. and Parker PD and Castle Rock PD. They have um, similar programs in place, which is awesome. But we want it to be all the agencies across the nation. You know, sure. unfortunately, especially in the rural areas where agencies have very limited resources, um, those are the ones that it's going to be the hardest to kind of incorporate a program like this. So trying to figure out how to get them the resources that they need, you know, and then you have a lot of the other much bigger agencies that are still very heavily in that stoic culture, right? you know, how to, how to plant the seed and help them change, change their culture. You know, it's, it's a, it's a tough battle. Um, And again, like I said, early on, it, it takes a long time. To change that, but we would really like to see, you know, every agency have some kind of wellness program in place because it's 
I mean, 188 critical incidents on average for a first responder. That's that's an enormous an enormous amount. number, right? And and you know, yeah. and a lot of those are very violent and traumatizing. Right. Like, how can we not have these resources in place for our people? So, do you guys do much collaboration with other agencies in we the do. work you're doing? We do. Yeah, we we do a lot um, with all the South Metro agencies. Okay. Um, not only do we have uh, meetings from time to time, but we also collaborate together. Uh, to see, you know, what's working in this agency and what's working and what's not working. So we kind of we kind of built it um, through each other um, because what works at Aurora PD um, will probably work at Douglas County, you right. know. Um, and what doesn't work at South Metro Fire is probably something that we wouldn't look at at Douglas County because we're all the same group of people. You know, we all right. we all have the same – it's the same culture with fire. Just different police. geography. Yeah, yeah, just different geography. So – um, it, it's nice that we're able to to bounce things off of each other, to get ideas off of each other, and then mm-hmm. collectively we, we build our programs. So as we wrap it up here, the responder that's listening that may be struggling and, and doesn't work for Douglas County Sheriffs, um, if they're struggling and know that they need some help or want to reach out for support, where would you t- suggest they turn? Well, there are there's three uh, really good psychologists uh, that are – culturally competent in the first responder world. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Dr. Sarah Metz with Code 4 Counseling, right. um, Dr. Brower with uh, Brower Psychological, mm-hmm. and then Dr. Rebecca Taylor with uh, Behavioral Consultants. Uh, all three of them work almost exclusively with first responders, and they are um, they understand the profession, which makes a huge difference when you're a first responder reaching out for help. You want somebody that really understands right. the profession and, and what we deal with and they are three excellent um, psychologists that I would I would recommend to any first responder. That's a fantastic guide point, post for people to turn to. I appreciate our time today. Thank yeah, you for thank the work you. you're doing, um, and uh, keep shining that bright light. Thank you. Have a good day. We are glad you shared your time with us today. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling, we are here to help. You are not alone. The Connection Project has resources that can support you. I encourage you to check out the Everyday Brave digital resource list, which can be found on our website, www.realpeoplereallife.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.